Hello everybody, it's Gary Stuckey with Real Music. Get excited for this one, everybody, for this interview. Because if you're a country fan and you're an Ashton Shepard fan, you're going to love this interview because she is here today talking about what she's been doing. Where has Ashton been? You're going to find out. And you're going to find out all about the comeback of Ashton Shepard. And also, if you stick around to the end, you're going to hear the second song of 12 from Ashton's first album that she released at age 15 called On This Dirt Road Tonight. And the song is titled Southern Summer Nights. But before that, here's Ashton Shepard. For me, you know, my career has been very up up and down. I mean, like many people's. I mean, like I'm like you. You know, I, I've watched, you remember when TNN was popular, the Nashville Network. Yeah, I loved it. And most things that you would ever see as far as documentaries and Crook and Chase and things like that were on that network. And I watched all kinds of things like that. And one of my favorite people to watch speak about people was Robert Orman, uh, the country historian that right. I still look up to today. And um, granted, he ironically became a really big fan of mine and you know all my life I watched him growing up and enjoyed watching the tears of what people go through because it's not it isn't like people think it is you know it isn't just easy it isn't it doesn't just get handed to you it 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 is a working I mean my my situation was a Cinderella story from the get-go because I was so young but then the trial and tribulation I feel like came kind of in the back end for me, like after all the big things, after having three consecutive top 20s, after being on Jay Leno, after being on Good Morning America, after singing Bristol and Talladega anthems, and after being on tour with Sugar Land, and after all these major milestones that I'd reached in my career, I was faced with with kind of being empty-handed after all of that. And that's really hard, you know, for an artist to, to be like, well, where do I go now? What do I do now? Uh, and, and then a lot of times you're just instructed as an artist to write. And it's like, well, I've been writing. So that's not seeming to help anything. So right. what do, do I just continue trying to tour on my own? What do I do? Uh, Universal, uh, you know, we parted ways. It actually didn't. When I was working with MCA, Universal, um, or, you know, they had the Mercury branch. Um, I think they had Universal South possibly at the time. I know they had Lost Highway and uh, Mercury and MCA. And I was uh, released from my deal after the man that signed me was replaced because the man that signed me didn't have his job anymore. Right. So they started removing people. And wow. I was one they did. And uh, that didn't actually release into the news till probably the end of 2012, the start of 2013, which would be 10, 11 years ago. And uh, I thought for sure I, I would get directly picked back up somehow, but I didn't. So I've just been doing it independently. And that's been hard because nobody independently has the funding that Universal Music Group has. Sure. Like that's not even realistic. Right. Um, so I faced that and, uh, and inside being a mother, having children, I've gone through two divorces um, and, you know, I've gone through a lot of things that, you know, 
I feel like people, I, I don't mind my fans knowing things that, and I'm not ashamed of those things. Some of the things I wish hadn't happened, but I'm not ashamed of them. I'd rather my fans know that, you know what? We all go through things. We're all people. Right. It, it doesn't matter if it's you on the podcast here, or if it's me, or if it's Joe at the grocery store, or if it's Selena that works at the beauty shop, it doesn't matter. Everybody has their problems in, in every day-to-day life. And I think, you know, that's what's made me stay strong into music like I am because I feel like I can speak to people through it. Sure. You know? And your music reaches people. You know, I was thinking today about how your voice, and, and you're like me, you grew up down here in South Alabama, but I mean, the way... You live your life. The things that people don't see anywhere else outside of the country, you wrote about it. The the people, they they took it to heart. You know, you lived that as a younger girl, not knowing what you were facing. I mean, did you ever, I mean, you didn't even imagine about these things that you've been through. You've been through a lot of stuff in the last few years. So you didn't even think about that during that time. You had a, you know, pretty you know, peaceful time enjoying yourself, I bet, during those I years. Did. Right? I, I did everything, Um, you know, I mean, me and my ex-husband, and I feel like personally, he's not going to mind me saying this, because what's real is what's real. We we had our issues uh, inside our marriage uh, that a lot of people were not aware of, and um, things that we had to work through, and... Uh, situations where he was skirting off over here and doing this and I had to forgive this and I had to you know and of course he was having to combat like me being Ashton Shepard too he was having to so in his defense I say he had to work through me doing what I did and there was there was multiple things that we had to work through and it was very hard but you know we still remained by each other's side for a very long time and um it's hard though when it's hard sometimes I think for anybody that isn't an artist to understand what an artist and what a creative person actually goes through in their mind and in their day to day. I think they have a hard time with that, you know, because it's like they feel like they're getting put second. And I'm facing that now with my, my current spouse I'm facing the same thing where your music is first, your music is first. And I'm like, no, no. Um, actually my music is, and I, and I, I'm saying this and I maybe shouldn't say it out loud is like this idea I've got for a song, but is you know, my music never left, you know, my music's always remained with me and it is that important to me, but it's not more important than him. It's not more important than my family, but it's that important. It's like, Chasing your dream is that important. And you can have people that make you feel like chasing your dream is wrong. You know, they want to make you think that, oh, now you're selfish because you just won't go get a job at Greer's. Nothing against the job at Greer's. But, hey, some people want to do something different. And it doesn't make them selfish. I've had to, I've really had a lot of uh, internal struggles with those things because, a lot of people don't understand why I do what I do that, you know, my fans do, but those closest to you sometimes don't understand. I faced a lot of, of 
of trial in the sense of like with my first husband, although we divorced, I can say that he did ultimately, um, I, I, I would say that he did ultimately support me. It, you know, if I had to give him that sticker, I can give that to him. But he did things that were not favorable for, for me and his relationship. Um, and I'm sure I did some things too. And that's always where I dug in. Like, what did I, what could I have done different? And sometimes you have to look at the other person and wonder, well, why come you're not wondering what you could have done different? Right. So what I'm saying, like, what about what you could have done different? Because, Hey, we can all do good and bad and we can, you know, um, but it, it's been a heck of a road uh, for me, it, it, and not in the sense of fans. Now, I got to say, you know, my fans have been uh, very supportive, and and I think that I could be this honest with my fans and tell them things, and them not judge me because openly they tell me you got me through my divorce. They openly tell me you helped me from committing suicide, or you helped me. Uh, through losing my child you know they tell me all these stories so we all have our different battles um you know you're like you're like the poster woman for their life you know for the southern woman's well, life i appreciate saying that man i like i said i you know um i can i can feel off of my situations but i feel for people in general because it doesn't matter if they're you know it don't matter if I ride a bike to town every day. It don't matter if they're black. It don't matter if they're white. It don't matter if they're poor. It don't matter. You know, people are people. And I'm I, and I'm not the most perfect Christian person. But I do not mind saying that I'm very spiritual. And I know what my Bible says. And I know that at the end of the day, you know, I, 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 I won't to love like I want to be loved. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I want to come across that way. And I, I want to relay that in music. And uh, I've been given a, a great opportunity to do that through Universal. I said a few negative things, you know, seeming negative about them, but they were good to me. Uh, what caused us to part ways was hurtful because I, I was very devastated because I just had my little girl and uh, I got a call um, in, in December that I was being let go. And I've never per se maybe said that publicly, but that was the exact terminology was you're, you're being let go. Mm -hmm. And it was like, why? Like we just had, you know, where country grows my first single on my second album that we just debuted on Jay Leno it was at number 37 on the billboard charts. It was doing well. We had shot a video for it. Why, why, why am I being let go? And I didn't understand. And I had a little, you know, baby girl at home. And, um, and I went through a miscarriage that a lot of people don't know about after that. And, of course, marital, pro marital problems, uh, things that were going on personally. Um, and... I ended up putting um, my first independent album out and it did pretty well. And, and a lot of people were very supportive of that. And I had the backing um, through 
the people that were backing me, um, one of my greatest friends, and, and I will name his name still to this day. His name was Tim Wilbanks. Uh, he was one of the investors in this album, and it really gave me a lot of stamina that, you know, these people would come in and do this and allow me to put out an independent album. And I did that. And then I did my second independent album. And I've kind of rode that wave for a while. And uh, currently I'm, I'm, I'm speaking with a label now that I'm hoping uh, very soon in the next couple of months to be signed with that I'm cutting music with. And I think that it's going to be um, probably um possibly one one of the, the larger things I've ever been a part of. I'm, I'm very excited about it. And I, I, I'm, like I said, I'm very uh, thankful to have the opportunity to speak to you about it right now and, and, and tell people things that people haven't known about yet. Right. You know? yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's what it's all about, you know, is, is getting a chance to uh, kind of like the autobiography, kind of let people understand you know, I think when people see the bigger picture of you, you know, they might see a small picture. They hear the songs, they read a little article about you, but they don't know the whole picture, the whole story. Yeah. So you're letting them in on some of the stuff right. you've, you've been through. So, it, you know, it, you know, I remember uh, seeing you on CMT and uh, taking off this pain. And, you know, a song like that has a lot of meaning uh, to people, right? I mean, and... Yeah, it, it's well, it, you kind of live it, right? Yeah, and 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 see that goes back to up here. At the time, I wasn't taking off my wedding band, but I felt like I could sometimes. Like I get this mad sometimes, so I was able to take that energy and put it into a song, and um, and 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 right now, probably one of my I feel like one of my biggest flaws, uh as a writer is being stuck on a lot of ballads and things like that, because I'm up in my feelings. Right. So I, I'm not writing as much like, you know, sassy stuff. Right. And, I, and I'm hoping to get back to that point because sometimes you just get tired of getting run over. Yeah. You know, sometimes it just gets to a point that it's like, look, this is enough of this. I will take so much. And so I'll take so much that most people probably can't imagine being, being that much or treated uh, that way, you know, through marriages and through things. And, and, and I mean no harm to any, any of my exes, but to be that misunderstood and to have to deal with it every single day that you wake up and every second, you know, uh, is something that weighs on my mind and it don't weigh on theirs. Because yeah. they don't really care. You, you, does that make sense? Right. It, it's like do they they can't really care if they're not that concerned about it. But right. I am that concerned about it. I want to fix. But sometimes you just can't fix something. And, you know that's right. that that's uh, sometimes uh, doors is just meant to be locked. You know, and you and, and you and you want to get through it so bad, but sometimes you just can't. You know, maybe sometimes that's a good Lord saying you ain't supposed to go over that. You know, maybe it means that you're just supposed to focus on the other things. And it can be hard to do when you got your heart set on something. But it may not be what God has in store for you. Uh, I always like the 
and one of my favorite verses is a man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. That's right. That's so good. We, we think, you know, our hearts to, you know, leading us over here, but he's directing us at the end of the day. So sometimes I think it's, you know, reading signs and, and I think music is a big sign of that. That's what is, and, and what you do is mm-hmm. a sign of that to be able to speak mm-hmm. to people like that. Tell right. me about that now. When you were younger, how did you know that you wanted to be this country singer and and play guitar and write songs and do all that? How did that come to you? Well, I basically, you know, well, when I was little, I mean, and I mean little, like two, three years old, uh, I had two big brothers that were uh, 10 and 12 years older than me. And somehow or another, which I feel like it's also a God thing, right? My mom and daddy and my brothers realized that this makes no sense that she's trying to when she's this little. And they would record me, you know, on the old uh, cassette tapes. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I wish we could find some of them. But they'd get me to sing, like, there's a tear in my beard. And I'd be saying, there's a chill in my beard. <laughs> no, I could hold the melody, but I had an impediment going on right there. Yeah. But um, they noticed it then. And then... Um, Mama was taking us to church, and the choir, the grown-ups asked me to be in the choir, and I thought, it was kind of awkward, because I'm like, I'm a kid, like, or youngin', a child. Why do they want me to be in the choir? I did that. Uh, At eight years old, I entered my first singing competition, and I I did a lot of it, led what I felt like was by a different force, but I was also very encouraged by my family. Because they really thought so much of me about it, right? Like, she's, we want to see Ashton show her talent. Like, she's special, right? They treated me like I was special. And even when I look back on it, I'm like, I wasn't that special. Like, I mean, I could sing and everything, but but I was writing songs at that time, too, when I was that little. And they always, they just said, we, you know, my brother told me the other night, um, his little girl, things and stuff he said but Ashton and I hope you don't get on to me for saying this because I mean he wasn't knocking his little girl but he said it ain't like it was when you was little it was like they knew they knew something different and that push is what I'm saying pushed me along through the years to sing at the little local fairs and festivals Mm -hmm. of course I wasn't getting paid a thing I was a little girl um and uh I wasn't it wasn't uh you know, I don't know. I wasn't, I didn't really know what I was doing. I, I was kind of just going by what, uh, what they believed I could do. And right. so I went by that and it just went from there. And my brothers encouraged me to play the guitar forever. But I thought, well, I tell them, Reba don't play the guitar. You know, I'd say, Martina don't play the guitar. Cause I thought I couldn't do it. Cause it looks so hard to me but uh i got a chord chart from my grandmother and one of them roy clark guitars that you order off a of tv right and uh it showed me one two three where to put my finger that's a c this that's is a right. g and when i seen that chord chart it was a poster it was like wait a minute all i gotta do is put my fingers right here and strong and of course it didn't sound very good for a while i had to get better at it that was right. when I was 15 and 
it just never stopped from there. You know, I, I, I guess your question of where did it come from? It's just been there. Um, it, it's, it's hard for me to explain that sometimes because it's been right there. Um, like, like a, like a, like a limb, extra limb that you've got or something. Uh, I feel like God, you know, God gave that to me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why. You know, he, he chose me for that. But why does he choose you to do what you do? Why right. does he choose somebody to be a detective? Why does he True. choose somebody to be a lawyer or a teacher? You know, that was just something I felt anointed to do and was given the gift. And uh, and it, it definitely didn't come from from me. I mean, it's in me, but it didn't. I don't feel like it come from me. If that makes any sense, it come from a bigger, bigger place. Sure, it definitely did. Yeah, um, you know, when you were younger, and and as everything was, you know, getting better and better for you in your life, you know, when you first, when you got that first record deal, tell me about that. When you first, your first record deal, oh, that album, that was God. so cool. I remember when that happened, and I and I was proud. Man, that was good my, stuff. Ah, uh, one of my favorite stories is is. I went to Capitol. I'd went to Sony. I went to every publisher in town. I was given uh, Warner Brothers was the only other company that offered me any kind of a record deal, but but it was an artist development deal where they would produce like three or four songs on you. And then yeah. they would decide what they wanted to do with you. And then the last place we go, Shelby Kennedy and I have thanked him, and I think he's in all my special thanks. He was the one that took me in the door, and I sang for Luke Lewis. I sang three songs acoustic. When I went to walk out the door, the uh, head of, of A&R with Brian Wright at the time, and I think he still is, uh, met me at the elevator and said, you've got a full record deal if you want it. And I remember I just turned around and just slapped the crap out of Shelby in the, in the elevator. I said, did you, did you hear what they said? You know, and Shelby's like, I knew you were going to get a record deal. And I was like, <laughs> how can you be this calm? Like, I was just like, oh, my God. Like, I got to call mama. Like, you know, I got to call everybody. This is insane. Like, this just happened. Right. You know, it, it was just such an incredible thing. But it's always how I envisioned it in a way, because I always thought if I could just have a chance to just go play, a few songs for these labels. I mean, either they'd want me or they wouldn't. Sure. Why, why do I got to move up here? Why do I? Because we couldn't move up here. My daddy had a permanent job. You know what I mean? He had finally gotten a permanent job. We had a little old bitty house and children and school. And nobody could just tear everything up and uproot everything just to really? go to Nashville. You know, you could make trips here and there, but. I thought, why come they just can't like me or not? Why do I have to just uh, be up here and 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 do this same protocol game? And and it worked that way for me. But that's why I said my works came on the back end because music changed so much, you know, like mm -hmm. all the digital formats. And I mean, when I got a record deal and I mean, I'm not trying to make myself sound old. I'm 37 years old. I'm not ashamed to say that uh, I'm crawling up on 40, but. When I got my record deal, we had MySpace. There was there was no Facebook. 
there was no digital media. There was no Spotify. There was right. no Pandora. There was no Google Play. There, I mean, everybody at the label had Blackberries, yeah. phones. N- nobody had um, what what we all have today. So my whole, in other words, my whole career rode on a a changing spin constantly, and it was very hard to um, roll the punches with, so to speak, because it was a whole dif- different format. Um, so that's how, I mean, that's how that happened with Universal. And um, I've always felt like that eventually there would be that team again that I find or that finds me through what I'm doing, through us talking right now. Maybe somebody sees something we're doing right now and, mm-hmm. and makes a call and says, hey, you know, if you don't have a label, la, 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 you know, you never know what 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 avenue or what outlet's going to open something for you. True. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, that's got to be, though, you know, the excitement of all that, you know, and what I was thinking, too, is with all that you've uh, been through apart from the music. I mean, you know, it's not like you just you're a musician, you're a singer. And then you go off somewhere and then you reappear. No, you've got to live your life and be the wife and the mom. And But through all That's that, right. that had to be hard, though, to juggle that life. I remember you just you just had the baby uh, back in, you know, when you first got the label. Right. Uh, well, right. I, James was um, he's 18 now. James was not quite out of diapers when I got signed with Universal. And January the 3rd, they released Look It Up, which was my third single with Universal. And it got 25 consecutive ads the first week. And they were so thrilled. They were like, this is huge. You know, this is going to, you know. Well, three days later, I found out I was pregnant with my little girl, Raiden. And I remember having a meeting with a label about it because they were like, are you going to be able to do this? And I'm like, well, y'all signed me with the baby. Hmm. I got to have a life. I mean, am I supposed to not, you know what I mean? Am I supposed to not have children? Yeah. Am I supposed to just like be a, some kind of machine. I can do this. And I did. Um, and juggling all that was hard, but they accepted it. They were fine with it. I toured. I mean, when I played, I was seven and a half months pregnant. Oh, wow. Um, I did my last full band show that year, August the 13th. She was born September the 9th. Um, So, I mean, it did not keep me from being on the road. Of course, I had to have a little time there when she was born, of course. And, of course, you have to have help. I mean, you have to have a family system. That's another hard thing for artists. I mean, if they don't have like a nanny or a, a mama or a grandmama or a daddy mama, that is their husband's mother, mother-in-law, somebody that's able to help with the children. It is very hard because you couldn't do it without it. I mean, I I, I have to be honest about that. There's no way to do it without help. You have yeah. to have a system. Um, so all that was, was hard. And, um, and I've, you know, said that I, I haven't really figured out which way that I, not in, in, and it's not out of shame or anything. I just haven't figured out the right way to tell the world, tell my fans that I have a brand new baby boy that's six months old. 
And, and congratulations, by the way, on the baby. Yeah, it's so many people don't know that I have a six-month-old baby boy. And it's not because I don't want them to know. I've, I've, I've wanted to figure out the right way to present it. But I, I think that, like us talking about that, this was a great way for me to present that. His name's Samuel Glenn, and he was born August the 11th on a Friday. And he has changed my life. He's changed my mother's life, um, especially after losing my daddy. Because, you know, the absence that she has to feel. I mean, she was married to that man for over 50 years. Mm-hmm. And so he's not here anymore. But now little Samuel is. And it's been a, a, a really um, special thing. Um, I... I wasn't really expecting to have a child uh, this later in life, but my mama was around the same age as I am when I was born. So she had me and my sister a little later in life. And uh, that has been something too that, you know, has been a driving force for me, but also that goes back to having the help and how do you do this when you have a child and, you know, that's where a lot of family has to come together and friends and support. And it is hard to find that sometimes inside what I do home because people, well, like today I went to pick medicine up at the pharmacy. And although these are people that I know kind of jibber jabber about me here and there, the same people wanted pictures with me when I got to the, pharmacy and i was proud to take a picture with them i i I told them i thanked them two or three times thank you thank you that makes me feel good but it's it's funny to be seen one way one time and and one way another i I think the best thing to do is do you and enjoy uh whatever your gift is and if people don't like it that's their loss because they're they're missing out well, and that's what, you know, that's what I'm facing, you know, with my spouse right now. He doesn't agree with the collaboration that I did. And to be perfectly honest, I do not mind saying that right here, right now, because I'm not saying that to jank on him or to make him some bad guy. I'm not. But I told him my, my music is, it's mine. It, 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 it isn't you to make the decision over you can give me your opinion and i appreciate it very much but you've got to trust me when i make a decision about music i've been doing this for 30 years i know what i'm doing i'm not going to do anything that's going to discredit us or or something that you can't be proud of but in his mind he can't be proud of this and he elected to that was it all over a song and that's been hurtful to me because it speared me from both sides. It hasn't just been, oh, well, you know, I thought I liked you or I thought I could put up with you and you're just too much and I got to go. It's it's from both ends. It's from like a personal and a professional end for me. And I I, I really have struggled with that because I've never been faced with that before. I've never been faced with being that judged over a collaboration you don't agree with. Uh, why? Because it's got a little bit of country rap in it. Like, hey, 
I'm a fan of all music. I had an Eminem poster on my wall when I was 15 years old in high school. Okay. With a gladiator poster, you know, cause gladiator was a big sure. thing. Then it was like right. around Oh one, Oh two, like that. Sure. And so I, I've listened to, and I'm a big post Malone fan. Huge. Like I listen to post all the time. Now, does every country fan of mine listen to that? Probably not, but I do. I right. listen to all kinds of music. I listen to everything from Lee Fields to Aerosmith to Uncle Cracker to Kenny Chesney to Tim McGraw to Nelly. I was a big Nelly fan back in the day. Um, I still am. I still like Nelly. Uh, I like Jamie Foxx. I like uh, Taylor Swift. I mm-hmm. like people that would be, people would be very surprised to know that I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan because people don't like her a lot of times because of her uh, political standpoints and who she is as a person. But I don't see her as a person. I see her as an artist. When right. I hear someone, and and that's what I hear. I don't, I don't, I don't think of, now don't get me wrong now. I'm not saying you can support somebody doing something awful or condone it, but I hear, and me and my sister both, oddly, my sister sends me, like, uh, she sent me a song the other day by Taylor Swift uh, called the, uh, Ooh, darling, don't you never grow up. Don't you ever grow up. Just stay this little. And, I mean, she's never even had children. Right. And we listened to that. So, I mean, it made me cry. You know, yeah. don't let nobody hurt you. You know, like, Wow. Right. You know, I just want you to dance around in your PJs in the living room forever right. and not have to worry about anything. Please don't ever grow up. Like that is a fantastic song. I cannot discredit that song. Like I have to take everything else away and listen to that song. That's how I listen to music. That's so good. I don't know how everybody else does. I think people do politically involved sometimes. I don't I don't talk politics. Uh, I will tell people that I am a God-fearing woman. That I will never back down from simply because I fear the Lord and I would never discredit him because I I believe that in here. So I'm strong about that, but I don't cast away and and throw off on gay people or um, I I don't throw off on either political party. I don't because you know what? It's not really my place. You know what I mean? It's not my, I don't feel like it's my place to do that. Going back to what we were talking about earlier about all that you've been through. Now, when you were younger, you're writing about stuff you didn't know about, but it kind of came true. And a lot of the songs kind of like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So now that you're past a lot of that stuff, what do you write about now? Do you write about what's going on or do you write about some, maybe you won the lottery or something? I mean, what do you, how do you take what you've gone through I mean, Taylor Swift, talking about her, you know, she's writing about exes all the time. What do you write about, you know? You know, I'm, the. I told you, I kind of been in a little bit of a block. I, um, I wrote uh, a buddy of mine, uh, one of my good friends, Mr. Jerry Wolf, uh, sent me a song that he needed a second verse to called Music Box. I wrote the second verse to it here recently. And, um, it's it's a it's a real pretty song and it's got a whole different meaning behind it 
but what I've written the most recent was uh, Garen, uh, my manager, my booking agent that we were talking to earlier. Um, he gave me uh, an idea of how will you remember me? And I thought, you know what? I know how I remember you, you know, like once it's all over, but how are you going to remember me? Right. And, and that's one of the last things I wrote. So what I'm writing about right now, I'm a little up in my feelings in the sense that I feel like what I do sit down and write about might be out of a place that's a little too deep for people, or mm -hmm. it may be on the same subject matter too much. So I'm kind of waiting till, till my mind graduates to a better place on it. If that makes any sense, mm -hmm. because, you know, I want to be able to sit down and write, you know, something like completely fun or sure. completely off the sure. wall. Nothing to do with nothing I've been doing, but just, something fun, something up-tempo. Uh, and though, that's kind of what I'm missing right now. And, and that's something else me and Garen have been working on too, is, is placing me with some different writers that could kind of get me out of this slump. Because mm -hmm. um, it, 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 you get no slumps as a writer. I, I know I do. I mean, <laughs> I, I would be telling you a lie. Uh, yeah, right. If I was totally. being being honest about it I, and and one of the writers that i haven't spoken to in mm, golly probably been probably been a year but bobby penson and, and and you know i mean he's written number ones for toby keith god rest toby's soul yeah love toby love and, and loved him man but um and god bless him uh but he wrote for Toby. He wrote for Sugarland. He, of course, he wrote for himself, and he's wrote. And I knew. I tell you something. I knew when I heard some of na, 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 na. Yeah. when I heard that. When I heard, I know I don't probably know. I know I don't know what all you think I do, but there's something to some of it. When I heard that, good. I swear and promise, as we are sitting here doing this, I said Bobby Pinson wrote on that. Because I could hear that, I know I don't probably know what I think There's I do. Flow to it, yeah. That yeah. something, to some of it, and I said, I bet Bobby wrote and, and be danged. Bobby didn't write on that; it didn't go number one. But Bobby's <laughs> pulled me out of a slump, and Bobby and me wrote "Where Country Grows," the first time we'd ever met one another and had a chance to write, because he was sitting there making this little hum going and I'm like, what are you doing? You know, like I'd never written like that. Right. right. I'm sitting there like, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I got this line and I sang it. Have you ever rode a dirt road where the wind is rolled down smelling that honey so vine? And I go, it fit. <laughs> it fit it. It like, what just happened? And there we were with this song that was really should have been, I mean, BMI, the head of BMI at the time sent me a letter that said, congratulations on your new number one. And it, it wasn't even quite charted then. That's how much everybody believed in it. And um, of course, everything with Universal after that went down the hill. But, but Bobby taught me to write in a different way. Like I discovered that 
It doesn't have to be a straight through writing. It can be a hum-hum thing, and I can go back and work on that, or I can just have a hook and write a chorus, and then I can go back. I don't have to have it perfect the first time. Um, and we wrote multiple songs together that people haven't heard that were really special uh, songs, but he helped pull me out of that. And that's one of the reasons I do promote co-writing to people, although I didn't understand it to, to begin with. It does help you get out of your head, you know, when yeah. you're stuck. It helps sure. you. It helped me. And um, like I say, Bobby's a very, but now me and Bobby butt heads now because he's very, <laughs> uh, a very controlling fella. And um, like we wrote more cows than people. He got tickled because it goes, little bitty church, big old steeple, ain't no noise, no. And, and he goes, Little bitty church, great big steeple. And he said, great big. And I said, big old. And he was big like, country heifer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, all right, we're going to say big old because that sounds better. And you just said that a little more natural than I would. But that that's <laughs> the, uh, the beauty of songwriting stuff. It's really cool. Yeah. Um. Talking about Toby Keith, I, I heard him say something in an interview that he said before. He was talking about writing a song, and he said there's like a pot of gold, you know, in the middle of the song that you find. And he says he goes ahead and finds that pot of gold and writes it and then works his way to that. Do you do that when you write? Like, you mean like finding the the, the, the places the that are, are more... Just a big, you know, like maybe the hook or the chorus like a, or the big or, meat or of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I do. I mean, like when, you know, I've come up with, you know, uh, well, like Sound So Good. You know, I, I did that uh, out of seriously thinking when I, and I've told this story multiple times through the years, but I, my brother-in-law, asked me to go get a beer for him. And um, I said, okay. So I, I walked out of the picking shed and I went to get him a beer and I reached in there and, and the cooler was slushing. And I said to myself, thank nothing like the sound of a cooler slushing. That's good. That line hit me. And when it did, well, that's where that song come from. Like you said, like a like a staple point. Of, sure. You know, I, I didn't know where where the rest of it was going to go. I just knew that there's nothing like the sound of a cooler slushing, you know, on the bed of your truck. Because, I mean, who hadn't heard that? Especially if you don't have a good cooler. They're right. all slushing. You that's know? right. All the ice is melting. And, yep. uh, and so... Uh, that song and, and, and then, you know, there's been one that I can think of. It was on my first independent album. Uh, it's called uh, The Next Time You Cross My Mind. And I do, it is not readily available anymore for people um, because I, I, don't, I don't have that album up anymore digitally available mm -hmm. for download. But um, I thought of the line you know, why don't you stay on the other side 
the next time you cross my mind. Right. Like a bridge. Like if your mind was a bridge, over here, over yeah. here please stay. Because when right. you keep going back across it, you're running across me. Right. You know, and uh, and I, I've always I've always liked Adam Cunningham, which was my first husband that I was married to for, for very many years. Uh that's his brother. Uh he me and him wrote How Bigger Angel Wings on my first album and he wrote Whiskey Won the Battle by himself. That's a good song. Uh, and it's a fine song. And Adam was always a very big hook guy. Like um you know like Bellamy Brothers. If I said you had a beautiful body, would yep. you hold it against me? That's right. You mean it? That's like, right. I love a double sure. song, and he did too. And uh, that's that he'd come up with the bigger the heart, the harder they fall. That was his hook. Old right. memory for me was his hook. Um, And uh, we had another one we wrote called He Couldn't Win for Boozing. Rather than he couldn't win for losing, right? Uh, just anything like something clever that True. that came. Uh, and what was the other? Oh, you know, the, I'd lie to you for your love, and that's, that's the all, truth. That's true. That's good. Like, was that, like yeah. I'd lie to you for your love, and that's the truth. Like, that, and that's the truth. I mean, that's. Who who's the who's man? I, my brain is not working. Who's the songwriter for George Strait that writes all those catchy? Dean you know, uh, who you know, what's his name? Dean Dillon. Dean Dillon. Yes, that's why. You know what? Because when I was growing up, and I'm listening, you know, different songs. I like rock and roll music, right? I like you know, there's different kinds of styles, right? But like in the '90s, when like rock and roll kind of went out the window, I started listening to country, and I was like, you know, that's good song. You know that, and I, I I got to listen to George Strait, and I was like, you know, man, I could do that, you know. But the but the Dean Dillon, the uh, nobody in his right mind would have left her, right? Left, you know. I mean, just so cool, you know. I love yeah. that stuff. And see, I've never even thought of that. What you just said, I have never really. But you just introduced something <laughs> in my thought. I've never anybody in his right, yeah. Like right, and left, right. right and left. See, that's so yeah. cool. It just so yeah. cool. That's the best songwriter to me is being snappy, but not being too corny and cheesy. But because when you pay attention, the title's big and it draws you in. But when you got all these little things, how it flows and tells a story, to me, that's like the best song, you know. And I and you got a lot of those, uh, you know, you're in your albums, you know, and and it's like painting a picture, right? whatever you're writing a song, right? It is. It's, uh, you know, matter of fact, I one of the most recent ones I've written, nobody's ever heard it, but it says, um, the hook is, it's a beautiful picture, ain't it? And it's talking about, you know, I feel like, I feel like God took his, his, uh, his brushes on a good sunny day, and he just painted away. He 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 painted away. 
So right. he painted a way. A way. A way. And yeah. then I go, it's a beautiful picture, ain't it? In other words, what, what, you know, it was so pretty, but maybe God didn't see fit for it and he erased it. Right. I don't know. But just, you know, ideas like that, I, I, I really dig that kind of stuff. And, um, and, you know, as a writer, you know, um, I do think that it's important. I think probably one of the, one of the things that, that would have been more beneficial for me was, you know, would have been to have been in Nashville more. I'm not telling anybody out there that that's where you've got to be, uh, so to speak or anything. Uh, but once you are kind of in that click, it is kind of important to, to stay, uh, up there somewhat, but then, the way that digital media is and what we're doing right now and things like that can really change the face of that too. Sure. You know what I mean? So, sure. um, I, I do think it's important to, I guess, well, um, it'd be a, probably a bold thing to say, but playing their game is important to them because I don't mean you're playing them, but they, they want to feel like they hold some kind of precedence somehow. And sometimes that don't work, but I think that that's a lot of it is, is, is they, that's why I think they sign a lot of the artists they do that don't really stick because those artists are just letting them just run everything and tell them who they are and, what to wear and how to dress and what to say and which songs to release. And you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So they roll over them. Yeah. And I think that that's a big part of, of, of why music sounds like it does sometimes. Yeah. I really do. It, because if they really, just let yeah. people and they let me, you know, universal let me, which is boggled and bothered my mind for years because they let me do what I do. They, they they let me do it. But then it was like they were afraid of it all at the same time. And I think I told uh, your manager this. I was thinking about how Elvis, remember back in 1968, it was the Elvis comeback special. He had been making movies. He didn't do songs that much anymore. You didn't hear mm -hmm. from him. All of a sudden he comes out and he's, it's Elvis. He's back. And everybody loved him. And it's great. It's like he, he just took off where he left off. Yeah. So it was like, you know, like you said, your fans haven't gone anywhere. They're still they there. Have. They're waiting. I think they're waiting for the next big uh, adventure and the next big album and something they can grab onto. I, I mean, I think they're like, they're excited. I know I am. I'm just saying I'm a fan and I'm, I'm thinking it's, it's like, I want to hear this album. I want to, I want to see what she can do. I know she's still got it. Let's see what she's got. Let's see what she is compared to all these other whoever they are, because the thing is you were talking about earlier. It's like when the a record company, they like to process cheese. They like the young girls that don't have a lot of talent, but everybody loves them, you know, but what about songwriters? I love singer songwriters flat period. I, I just love singer songwriters, you know, and, and the female singer songwriters too. So many good ones. And you're one of them. And it's so cool to hear. 
I know people get excited to hear a song, especially a new song. You know, you can jam out to some of your older, you know, albums. That's cool. But they want some new stuff, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And 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 what I'm working on right now, you know, is it's got a little bit different feel to it now. That's not to say the entire album will be that way, but yeah. it does have some. I would say kind of uh, Ashton Shepard meets Celine Dion kind of feel on one of the songs, like a, um, it's up tempo, but it, it it's kind of you know one of those that sounds like it could go in a movie. Okay. It's not you know your still based like country country. It's not, but I'm okay with my fans hearing the fact that that's okay too because yeah. when you're an artist you can do anything that you, you can do if you're talented enough to. And, uh, I mean, you look at everything Dolly Parton's done and, and being, I mean, she was the star of the best little whorehouse in Texas for the love of Pete, you know, <laughs> I mean, you think about the bold moves that people have made and, you know, I'm doing a little more bolder movement than that, but it's, it doesn't change the delicacy of what else will be on the album. You know, it's not like, people aren't going to hear Ashton Shepard. Yeah. It's still me, you know. Um, it's just a little more, it's a, it's kind of like reinvented a little bit, maybe. Um, and I, you know, I, I made that point to my children uh, one time. I let them hear Austin, Blake Shelton's first number one. Mm -hmm. And I showed them a picture. And then I turned on God's country. Different. And I said, listen to it, the difference. But you know what? It was still Blake Shelton. Yeah. But he, it was a little different production. It was just a little bit, you know, it didn't mean that he was stepping away out into some left field territory. He just graduated. And the ones that have graduated are the ones that have held on. Here's something to think about. Now, this is a, I think this is a deep question to think about. Now, when you when you were becoming Ashton Shepherd country singer, you know, I used to read about you in, in Country Weekly and CL and CMT, you know, and you were this up and coming singer and everything was taken off. And then you were releasing another album. Like you said, you got dropped. How would your life have been different if you just kept climbing and they didn't drop you? Do you ever think about what would have happened? Oh, yeah. Uh, I feel like what would have happened would have been a career of, of severe longevity that was undeniable. Um, and when I lost that pocket and that place, that spot, that road that I was on, you know, it, it shifted all that. I do believe that if, matter of fact, I thought about, um, I'm not trying to veer away from it, so don't let me do that, but mm -hmm. I thought about Lady Annabellum um, the other morning. I do that in my sleep. I'll, I'll think of stuff during the night or when I first wake up in the mornings, just random things. Right. And I was thinking, Lady Annabellum, our first two or three singles 
were at race with each other up the charts. Mine halted at about number 17 or 18 on Billboard. Theirs kept going. And then the rest of theirs kept going and kept going. Right. And I was thinking, looking back on it, what if mine had kept going? Like what you just asked me. I'd be unstoppable. In in now, unstoppable in an industry realm. You know, not unstoppable godly or unstoppable by support like yourself. You yeah. know what I mean? Us doing this, but unstoppable on that level. Right. That's what would have and and my finances, of course, would have been different because things wouldn't have stopped. You know, things that I thought were going to continue didn't. And it was very hard to deal with. I mean, it, it was very catastrophic to me uh, because, I mean, I was just getting started, you know, like, man, what the hell? I mean, <laughs> even I forget it was uh, Billboard, one of the main uh, executive people at Billboard did, it was something on GAC or some kind of little clip that they had of him saying, you know, 2009 is Ashton Shepard's year. Well, that was before I parted ways with Universal, but I'd had two singles that were both consecutive top 15s and top 20s. Uh, a couple of them went higher than the other ones. And they're supposed to be a third single. We were actually we probably probably do four singles, but the label wouldn't answer me about that. So I kept asking, I kept asking, and finally they broke the news to me April of '09 that there wasn't going to be a third single. And I'm like, why? I mean, I just could not understand. But I said, all right, you know. They said just just write, just keep writing, and well. It was three years between albums. Yeah. March 4, 2008 is when Sounds So Good come out. July 11th of 2011 is when Where Country Grows released. So you're talking about over three years. I really I really was worried that my fans had pure forgot about me at that point. Like, you know, this is too long. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? In my, like, this is too much time. But yeah. they let it do. They they let it be that way, and I didn't know why. But like I said, uh, how would it have been different? Well, my whole life would be different. You know, yeah. I mean, I'd be out touring with. You know, I don't know. I could be headlining now. I don't. Sure. I don't know. Could have been. It could have changed everything, and 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 just that quickly, things can change, because. All it would have took would have been that much more support or effort, but it just didn't. It was wasn't there, right. and um, and and what was really odd was uh me trying to call different booking agencies and things. Uh, following this incident, it'd been probably five six months or something, and nobody was very helpful at all. To be honest with you, mm. uh, they they were not open to me and other artists aren't either. And I don't want to name names, but you know, I know who I am as an artist and I know this, 
I know that if Ashton Shepard's doing good and I believe in you, hey, if you ever reached out to me and said, hey, I'd like some opening slots, I'm not going to forget you. And I'm going to try to give you some slots. It may not be but two or three, but mm -hmm. I'll, I'll try to give you some time. Nobody's done that for me. Nobody has uh, reached out and, you know, they'll reach out and say something like, hey, we miss you. What are you doing? You know, mm -hmm. how's your going? But then when I try to call them, they hang up. Mm -hmm. They Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I thought you called me on my Apple Watch. Um, no big deal, whatever. No, it's all cool. Well, I finally told that person back. I said, look, I mean no harm by saying this, but if you don't want me to call you, I won't. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't want to be a bother. You know, I I was just simply actually wanting to catch up with you. I don't want nothing from you. Is it they think that you want something from them is what it is though, right? They feel like a, it's a burden for you. Don't bother me. I got stuff but I got. It's a burden to somebody that's worth twenty million dollars. That's crazy. I mean, how can how can I couldn't do that? Like, especially if this is if I was the twenty million dollar person that messages the other person that says, "Hey, we're thinking about you. Uh, you know where you been at." La, 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 you know, well, we need to write sometime. Okay. And then you try to get up with them and it's like a fart in the wind, like on Shawshank Redemption. It just, yeah. it's just gone. It's you know, it's like, well, up and vanish like a fart in the wind. Well, okay. Well, don't even ever tell me that then. Like if you can't respond to me, does that make sense? Yeah. What, what do you think is going through their mind? Now, there's got to be something that somebody said or did that has them in that frame of mind where they shun you. So what would be the reason? I think, well, this is going to be bold. Go for say, it. <laughs> um, a few of the people I'm talking about, I've opened for previously. And their crowd responded better to me than they did to them. I know who you're talking so, about, but I won't say. I, I think, <laughs> but I do I know who you're talking about. That's yeah. one of them. Mm -hmm. Only that there, there's, there's been two or three like that. Yeah. So I think a lot of it is, if you notice, a lot of these big headliners bring out artists that aren't worth a rat's ass. Excuse my language, but they're not any good. The material's not really any good. Um, they want a supporting act that makes them look better. Yeah. They don't want an artist that could be in their position next week. Some of it for them is management, booking agencies. Um, they, they're so busy that whatever gets said in their ear, they pretty much listen to it and don't go against it because it's just easier for them. And I understand that, too, because I understand being that busy and just saying, OK, I'll just go with this. You, you know what I'm saying? But I don't know. I've, I've like I say, I've, I've struggled with why, you know, why come, you know, I mean, uh, oh, Josh Turner. I don't mind saying this. If he's seen this tomorrow, I, I've told Josh, I've said, Josh. 
because uh, he's supposed to be such a big fan of mine, and he is. He's always been really sweet to me. And I've told Josh, Josh, if you ever have anything, any any openings, um, any slots anywhere, I can come do acoustic. I do not charge a lot. Uh, it'd be reasonable, you know. If if you if you ever uh, would like to keep me in mind, please do. I've said that a couple three times. And do I hold it against him that nothing's ever transpired? No, but I still don't understand it because he could. It's in see some and here's another thing I think that these artists don't understand. It's in their power. That, yeah. that they they don't they don't understand that at the end of the day it is what they say. Because everybody around them makes them think it's what they say when in fact they're paying everybody to saying that to them. And that's not true. And I'm not yes. trying to be like a diva or an over bossy person saying that, but when I, but right before I got my record deal, one of my first questions to the paralegal that connected me with the man that got me my record deal, one of my first questions to her was, who's really in charge? You know. Right. Um, um, oh, give me one second. I'm sorry. No, uh, who's really in charge here? Like, you know, I was like 19 going on 20 years old. I said, who really runs this? So, like, if the artist is the artist, who's really in control? And she said, well, technically, the artist. Supposed to be. And I was like, well, why ain't it that way? Because it somehow it gets out of the artist's hands. And, and now... I respect the fact that there are people that can bring knowledge and bring things in that should be respected. I do understand that and I respect that. But ultimately the artist is supposed to be the one that says yes or no. They're supposed to be the one that gets to agree to this or agree to that. It, it It's, I mean, they're a person. I mean, and, and you don't want to be dealing with an artist that just rejects everything, of course, because they're not working and they're not helping anybody. But um, that's always been very interesting to me because that's what th that was one thing I did get plagued with and labeled with in Nashville was you're very hard to work with. And I'm like, why? Because I ask questions. You're supposed you know, to be because I. I yeah, you're supposed to just listen yeah. and shut up and do what they yeah. say. Yeah, yeah, because I say, hey, why can't we get a, a bus with a star coach in the back for my son? Well, Ashton, that's just not, you know, we just can't do that. That's just not possible. That's just not, you know, well, why ain't it possible? Other people's got them. Why can't I have one? Yeah. Okay, well, next thing you know, Scott Swift is calling my business management, which is Taylor Swift's father, and we're leasing Taylor Swift's soul bus. It's got a car coach in the back. Guess what? It was possible. They, they, I don't know, man. They live in a box. Yeah. I don't know how to explain it. And, and and I live in a box, too, down here where I'm from. I mean, <laughs> ain't a whole <laughs> lot going on down here. 
Right. But um, but at the end of the day, it it's the music industry is is really it's something to be learned upon. And and we talked about the book writing. Like I would love to to tell some of these things, not to never to 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 diss or 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 um unedify or or cause a problem with anybody or, or throw off on anyone or or anything like that. But just to tell the the real logistics of what actually goes on because it is a lot that goes on that a lot of people don't realize. And and thanks to people like yourself and people like my fans, I've been able to stay above the water inside all this. And that's why the support is so important from the fans. Because without their support, it don't matter what label you got. We don't have anything. Right. You know, I mean, that's that's my logic on it. It's, we I don't mean, have anything without supporters. Right. It, it was something that they, the record labels and the, the people in the industry need to understand that whole concept is the fans, you know, they appreciate your music. You are, you're that artist. You're that person that they look up to and they listen to. And if it wasn't for you, people like you, they wouldn't have, you know, their job. Well, they got, that's right. right? It, it goes hand, it, it goes hand in hand. You're right. It does. Uh, it's like with the radio game, you know, well, guys, if you didn't have music to put on the radio, you wouldn't have a radio station. So it's like it, a food it chain or something. It, 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 but it's uh, somehow roles got reversed um, inside all of it somehow. I don't really know how. Um, and I know I, I feel like that Nashville's very, um, I say, I hope this doesn't shoot me in the foot anywhere, but I feel like Nashville's very mafia based. They're very um, clannish uh, inside what, you know, let, let's give this person this feather and let's do this to help this person because this person knows this person, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I've kind of always been maybe like a Waylon, I guess you'd say, kind of like an outsider. Yeah. Although I was in there, somehow... I was still always outside yeah. and I don't think they, they ever were able to quite accept that about me, but they didn't shun me for it. I mean, there's nobody in Nashville that I, I if I ran into my old label representatives right now, they all still love me to death. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't have a, you know, there's nothing dead in the water, so to speak. I mean, there's, you know, there ain't no burnt bridges. There's nothing bad been said. That, that I know of that, that accounts to anything. Um, even old buddy cannon, my producer, um, that, you know, is one of the greatest producers of all time. They did both of my records with MCA. You know, if I randomly texted buddy or called him, he'd probably call me back. Um, and typically he does. It may take him a, a few days. I don't text him all the time or anything, but when I do, uh, he don't, they don't dismiss me or nothing, you know, so I'm not, I'm not dismissed. And, and I know that that's also strength too, 
because I know that inside what I'm moving into right now, I do have a lot of support as a whole because I didn't show my butt, you know, so to speak. I didn't <laughs> say anything I shouldn't have said or acted no way to nobody ought not to act it. I've, I've kept a clean slate with all of it in, in hopes that one day when it all does puzzle piece together, that it's going to do what it's supposed to do. And, and I, and I truly believe that, um, in my heart, I do. Um, and, and at the end of the day, I'm just so proud to have the platform I already have and, 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 and being able to be on here with you right now and being able to, to speak to my fans on my Facebook, whether it's a hundred thousand or 500,000, you know, they're still there. You know, I still have my following. So I have something to, to stay, uh, I, I would call confident about and happy about in, in that, in that particular element of things. I, I have that to live upon no matter what, but I would like it to grow. I would like it to be bigger and better. And, um, I hope through us talking about things like this, that eventually it's going to, going to catapult to that. I really do. I think so too. Uh, um, you were talking about that, you know, like an outsider, like an when you outlaw. share ideas and and experiences, and you, you're on, like you said, on the same page. And I think what you said about you know the fans when they see you as them, as a a good old country girl, that is the spokesperson for them. That's why they love you. I believe is, you know, it's like you're carrying the torch for them when you know you're you're singing the songs that they can't sing. But they, you know, they appreciate you. Well, or saying things that they don't know how to say. Yeah. You're saying it for them. Right. You're saying. And their voice. Yeah. You know, and um, that's what, you know, we talked about book writings and things like that. Um, You know, I've I've, uh, been. I mean, as you can tell. My mind is 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 so full of stuff that I don't even know where to begin with it. Um, yeah. And you know, I mean, since I was a little girl, I I was writing songs about my brother. Although my brother wasn't in the army, I was writing songs about him being in the army. Because I was making it up. But I could make it believable, you know, even when I was little. And there's a there's a lot of strength in that. And and I think it, it could it could stretch all the way to like what you're doing in a podcast. Mm-hmm. Like I would love to co-host with you if it's possible. Sure. I, my brother are talking about starting a podcast. These are things that people don't know. That, that I've got conjured up because, you know, he was in radio for 25 years mm-hmm. and uh, we've been talking about that subject because, you know, who is, is it Theo? Theo Vaughn? That's that is not what, what, what is that? I've heard of that. Who is that? It's, uh, it's a podcast my brother listens to. And hey, he, I, he, I, yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. There's a lot of good ones out there that I check out. But, yeah, I try to listen to, to some of these. 
big ones. Well, he got to, he was he had, he 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 went from radio to a pressure washing business. You talk about entrepreneurial stuff. Yeah. He he started a he retired from radio and started a fitness company that was doing severely well up in the Tuscaloosa area of Alabama. And right. um COVID hit. Shut it all down. Wow. I'm I'm not he was doing great, man. Wow. Like, yeah, that, that's a good business. Yeah. Sure. Shut it down. So then he started pressure washing, and that's where he got to listen to some of the podcast stuff. But he was saying, I was saying what we're talking about now reminds me of what he says that guy does, which is, you know, it isn't just your well, what you grew up listening to or who are your influences. Right. Well, uh, what year did you get your record deal? You know, right. not, like like we're sitting here talking about real things. That's like, what I do. Exactly. That's what you do. Right. And he was saying how valuable that is because is. so many people stay through, stay at this meh, 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 meh thing when, you know, there's more things that could be said. And don't get me wrong. Like, I would be a liar if I told you that I didn't. Well, I wouldn't say that I lied. Uh during my record deal, but I concealed the fact that my ex-husband did the things that he did because I was still in the public eye so much and because he was still with me in the public eye at that time that I concealed that information. I never told anybody, but that's why I was able to sing Look It Up with, with so much feeling was because I just lived through it, and nobody knew it. Right. I didn't tell them. I didn't say, "Hey, this just happened to me in well, my tell, life." Tell me this in that video, which I love the video, by the way. Um. So was that anger? Because you could see anger in your face uh, when you're making the video. Was that real? Well, um, a good bit of it was, but also I was nervous to death of what I thought it would look like because, um, I, I believe this too, that I've always, if I ever had the opportunity to, to act, I could act too, because that's what, you know, they were telling me what to put on my face, what to act like. So I had to put that emotion on. But as you're talking about, that emotion was pulling from the fact that I went through, who's this on your phone? You know, I went through those things so I could capture the energy of that because I had already felt it. So... I could pull from a place that, that, you know, is not fun to talk about, but I could pull from that. And like I said, my ex-husband, you know, he may, may think terrible of me and I, I'm not trying to knock him. He's a good fella. He's a good daddy. Um, he's moved on in his life and he's with a girl that he's been with for a long time and he's good to my children. Uh, but nonetheless, those things did happen with us, you know, so I'm not, you know, 
saying anything that's not true. I mean, you know, if he was sitting right here beside me, he'd have to lay his hand down and say, yep, this is what happened. So, yeah, I was able to pull that from places that was inside. Yeah. Wow. Well, that it makes a difference, though, doesn't it? It makes a difference when you're singing from an honest point. And, and honestly, that should have been a bigger hit than it was. And you should have coasted into the next level of success based on that. I think there was a certain, you were like riding this wave that should have kept going. That, I mean, that, that's gotta be, I mean. Well, what happened? Like I said, that song came out. It. Okay. I don't want to like get too like, uh, hard to understand, but. Yeah. There's regions of the United States. Southeast, Northeast, Southwestern, Midwestern. In the Northeast, every song that I had, especially look it up, what they call closed out up there, which what that means is every clear channel and cumulus or anything else reporting radio station had added it. So up there, it was number one. Wow. They were spinning it so many times a day that it was insane. So basically that song went to number 14. It was almost a top 10 on Billboard. And when it came off and I played Jay Leno, I think mm -hmm. it was July the 7th is when I played Jay Leno. And I got to sing Where Country Grows, which was the title track of the album that Look It Up was on. I sang Where Country Grows on Jay Leno mm -hmm. song released a month and so later with a video and it was at number 37 when they let me go wow I mean the song within a month or so of release had already broke because what a lot of people don't know is inside the top 40 the, the, the chart falls down to number 80 or so possibly 90 and it's still billboard but you've got to get through 90 and 80 to 40 to break the top 40 to start with. So that song had already broken to number 38 to 36. It wasn't doing bad at all. No. I mean, it was doing well when I got the call that you're being let go. Well, yep. We may have talked about this a little bit because I was thinking about that earlier because I'm my brain is going, that's crazy. But did they just flat out give you just flat out a good reason, an honest reason why they never did? No, they never told you flat out because did you ever go before somebody and go, um, the song they, they said was Luke Lewis that signed me had exited the label and that there was a new president of the label and you're being let go along with multiple artists. One of them was Leanne Womack that also got let go from MCA. And that was it. It was just a Ken Levitan that I worked with at the time that manages Dirks Bentley, Kid Rock, Hank Williams Jr. 
Mm-hmm. That was my manager at the time. He called me and told me that right before Thanksgiving. My little mm-hmm. girl, uh, she was two months old, I think, two months old. And uh, I was just sitting there. I mean, I remember it. I remember it just like it was yesterday. Just like me and you sitting here talking. I was out in the yard and Ken had called. And Ashton, I got to let you know the label's letting you go. And I was like, so happy, happy Thanksgiving to you. We just let yeah, you go. Pretty wow. much. Yeah, that was it. Uh, well, now, did you go back and talk to him, the manager, and talk to some people and go, this is, something's got to be done? Did you did you kind of state your case? Did you kind of raise sand? No. Did you do anything? Mm-hmm. Nothing because I knew, I knew, I knew that that meant business. And I knew that if Luke was gone, because Luke loved me, and Luke took time with me that they said he that they'd never seen him take that much individual time with anybody since Shania Twain. So, like when I called the label, I could get Luke on the phone every time, and everybody was scared to death of him. But he was very good to me, so I knew that if Luke wasn't there, there was I couldn't do anything. So I didn't argue with that, but I did however, say, well, hey, why don't we shop around to some other labels? Yeah. Strike while the iron's hot. I mean, we've, we've got a song that just did really good on the radio. But they kept telling me to just write, to just keep writing, to just keep writing. And I'm like, what does that mean to me? I've been writing. Y'all, y'all just something, got my catalog. What, something for them to throw about? at you. They just wanted to throw something at you just to make you feel better or something. Probably just to just right. to tie but, you but over. They, they would. They did. I had no answer, no mm-hmm. real answer. Just like I didn't have a real answer for why they didn't do a third single on the Sound So Good record. You know, that's, I didn't yeah, that's have another a question. Real... Yeah, that's that's another one I was going to ask you earlier. So, I mean, I mean, I, not. Like Forrest Gump, I'm not a smart man, but I'm just saying. But if I'm looking at a girl that's doing these songs and they're catchy and they're good and they're on fire, I want to see what her next single does. I want to see her go from here because those two first two singles, same, did you know, did real well. Well, I tell you, I tell you where I got the answer from. I've been asking my manager at the time. Todd Ramey was working under, and, and sadly, I can't even remember the head guy's name at this point, but it was at HK Management. Oh. And Todd Ramey wouldn't give me a straight answer. He would just skirt all around it. Well, we were at a party or something. Maybe it was probably, it was surrounding the ACMs. That's what it was. And there was like an a little after party at the label at Universal. So I went there. I had my little dress on everything. I didn't actually see the label never even made sure that I ever went to any awards or anything. It's a very interesting story. But wow. um, I was there with them and I cornered Brian Wright up at the little bar that was set up in the Universal area. You know, they had like a brought in bar and all this stuff. And I cornered him up and I said, Brian, I remember it really well. I said, listen, now, 
I've been asking for three months, you know, what's, what's coming next? What, what are we doing? And he finally, he looked at me and he said, there's not going to be a third single. I was like, okay, well, I wish y'all told me that, you know, well, we didn't know till whatever, whatever. And then he squirreled off and, you know, talked to people and did his own thing. But I wound up meaning straight from the horse's mouth, though I had all these managerial people, I had to go ask him myself because I was tired of not knowing. Yeah. I was like, can't somebody just tell me something? I mean, I'd rather just know, you know, and that, that, you know, I don't know what made him decide that. I mean, I, you know, I don't know because after that came slower shows, slower money, mm -hmm. slower everything. And I signed a publishing deal with EMI publishing to get an advanced because I had to for my family. My husband wasn't working. I had two children now and you know, something I had to give. Oh, uh, no, I take that back. I only had James. I didn't have Raiden then, but right. nonetheless, we didn't have any other income except mine. So I had to do something. So I went and got a publishing deal and I got that advanced and I started writing with, that's when I started writing with, I wrote with Tori Jones, Bobby Pinson, uh, Dean Dillon, uh, all of them. Matter of fact, I got a notebook in my mama's house where I had them all put their signatures on what they wrote. I got Dean Dillon's signature on there on, oh, cool. on the song that we wrote together because I wanted it to put up for my children. Uh, Chris Stapleton. Um, you know, all that stuff. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, it ain't nobody I don't know. So, you know, it, it's kind of made me wonder what, what barrier did I miss breaking to, to speak to these people? Why, why are they acting kind of like I don't exist? Except now, if I were to run into them at the restaurant at Nashville, they're going to speak to me. They're going <laughs> to hug my neck. They're going to be nice to me you know what i mean they're not gonna yeah. avoid sure but why aren't so, you gonna ask them are you gonna ask them though i mean if, if you saw them i mean if like me if that would happen to me i've been like i gotta know because some of the things you think about at night i would it'd be circling my mind like why did they do that to me i'd be i'd find some answers they'd have to tell me a clear answer or i'd go crazy i, I think so you're okay with not knowing the real truth. No, I'm gonna tell you. I'm not okay with not knowing specifics, but I do know enough about business to know that they had a few money people, right? And what I mean by that, their money monkey people inside the label, which was Jamie Johnson at the time on Mercury, Josh Turner, who had had several hits, but he was struggling. Gary Allen, Reba. Of course, George Strait was on MCA. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on. You know what I mean? That's problematic. Always make money with him. 
<laughs> and you had Sugarland. Mm. And they were so hyper focused on the ones they thought could work that they had to cut somebody. If if that makes any sense. Yeah. So in my mind, that's what I took it as. Because on paper, I wasn't doing enough to benefit them enough. They needed to hyper-focus here and here and here. So they let me go. And I know that's why they did. It's just like cutting your uh, losses, so to speak, in their mind. I wasn't a loss to the public, but maybe to them somehow. Because, see, I got one of the last traditional record deals that Nashville ever gave. They only made money if I sold a hard copy of my record. Mm. So from that time forward, the industry shifted. It sure did. Hard copies didn't sell no more. Exactly. You seeing what I'm saying? I sure do. They did not make any money off my touring. They didn't make money off of publishing. They didn't make money off nothing. If Ashton Shepard didn't sell a hard copy, they didn't make nothing. So they probably did lose in a sense because not to my fault or theirs, but because of how the industry shifted. Yeah. It they didn't there was no three sixty deal like they do now. There they weren't making residual income off of everything that I do from merchandise to everything else. They could only make money if Ashton Shepherd sold a hard copy of my album. And it wasn't happening and after wasn't that. Happening no. Which that, that makes sense. I mean, it's not right. I mean, it's not cool. It's not good. But that it's just a bad time. Bad timing. It was bad timing, man. Oh, I mean, man. It, it was that's I mean, so when I say when you say that about how could I just accept it? I understood why, because. The whole format had changed, but then for them to take somebody like Casey Musgraves. And try yeah. to lift her up. Listen to me now. I'm sorry if anybody gets mad at me. <laughs> no, you're not. Uh, <laughs> Casey Musgraves. I, I wouldn't have her sing at my dog's funeral. You know what I mean? Right. I don't mean no harm. But I'm sorry. I know she is talented in her own regard, but she ain't what she's been made out to be by the label. They took and pushed somebody that me and multiple other women I know could sing under the table. I, I don't understand why. I don't. I know it's because a lot of it was because she had a Texas following. Yeah. You know, she had a following she brought on with her. I do understand that. But I've never, I've never understood that ever. I don't understand Lainey Wilson. I mean, do I think, do I like some of Lainey's material? Yes, I do. But do I really see it as super believable? No, I don't. Uh, Ash McBride, yeah. I, I, I think actually, what sold me on Ashley McBride 
was watching her during CRS at the Warner luncheon. Because I'd never heard her live. And she can sing her ass off. I'm talking about. Sure enough, real. I'm talking about (laughs) get down. Like I was like. You're blown away by her, right? Like she she's freaking good, man. Like, wow. Uh I I was really like, I mean, does it matter if I'm impressed? No, but I was impressed. Like I was like, wow, she she sounded better live than she does on her albums. Wow. I mean, she's good. She's really good. And uh so I I can respect where she's at. Um, and I'm proud for her. Uh, I'm proud for anybody, but her and I, you know, we made friends and she's another one that I don't hear back from a lot, you know, and I know she's busy, Mm -hmm. but she told me I was the reason she came to Nashville out of her mouth Wow! and put me on her Twitter. Big picture of us at Luger's bar. Wow. You know. well, well, see, you, what I need to do now is take a clip of this and tag her on a post. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's like, you know, and I don't, I'm not saying that like being like, oh my, you know, going back to like my feelings is hurt thing. No, it ain't that. It's just, I don't, I don't understand like, okay, well, if, if I influenced you and I've got your number and, and I'm trying to figure out, look, you might be very busy, but hey, w- when can we write? And maybe yeah. this is another problem I think I have faced is uh, I don't want to seem like I'm begging anybody for anything. So I don't I don't reach out, but like once every three to four months, you know a couple, three times. This ain't going to be weekly. Like, yeah. when I try to get up with you, 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 you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be, like, trying to just... But then, I think, Ashton, maybe that's your problem. Like, maybe you should be more... Like, girl, tell her every day. Every day, right. you know? Try that for a while. But there's a part of me that doesn't want to do that because I feel like I'm begging somebody then. And yeah. I know that's a weird mentality, but you know, I feel like, like I called Miranda Lambert uh, the other day and uh, she answered and I thought, well, I'll be damned. So she answered the phone and then she hung up. Okay. And I, I told her this was Ashton. Is that this is Ashton Shepherd? And we've done many shows together, many shows. We know each other. Obviously, I mean, hell, I have her number. So <laughs> then I tried to call her back, and it kept going straight to voicemail. And I thought, well, why is that? So she messaged me and said, um, I, I'm sorry, uh, something about walking her dog or something and said she 
thought that maybe she had butt dialed me or something and it was on her Apple watch and whatever. And then that was it. There wasn't a call back. There wasn't a, you know, and at this point, I don't care if she sees this either. Cause I don't understand why. So that's when I messaged her. Well, look, um, I do not want to be a burden to you or a problem. I've, I, I actually just wanted to catch up with you. I don't know where you're at in your life, but I wanted to tell you where I'm at in mine. And we could just talk. I'm, I'm working on some new collaborations. I'm working on a new album. Uh, I'd just like to speak with you. Uh, if you have a chance, I'd appreciate that. Nothing. Nothing ever <laughs> since. No message back. No nothing. Well, the fact that she texted you back, you know, instead of calling you back, she texted you. That was her way of saying I don't want to talk to you. I just want to just clarify and give you something. Bye bye now. <laughs> I mean, right. that's not funny, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I just, you know, people forget, you know, and I I saw this post the other day on Facebook. There was these, there was these ants. They were climbing up a little leaf. There was three of them. And the one ant got on the other ant's back and he climbed up the leaf. And another ant got on that ant's back and climbed up the leaf. When it came time for the last ant, he's going, you could actually see the expression. It was real ants. He was going, he, he got, you know, he helped these other people, these other ants climb the leaf and he's ready for his part, but they did, they weren't there. They done rose up top. They didn't have time for the little ant that helped them or, or used to, you know, dig tunnels together, you know, back in the day. You know, he, they, he was all forgotten about. You know, they didn't care about the little ant that was left behind. You get what I'm mm -hmm. saying? I mean, yeah. They, but so there's got to be something within them that needs to be a light needs to come on, and they, they need to be reminded where they came from and who helped them and uh, what. Well, of course, because help. nobody, yeah. I can tell you right now, nobody ever got anywhere without somebody helping them. Now, this is what I this is really why I want to do this uh, video is because, you know, for everybody that you've ever really seen that's been around a while, sometimes they take a little hiatus and that that might be the record label. It might be their life. You going through different situations, you know, and everybody loves a comeback. Would you say this is the comeback of Ashton Shepard and just celebrate that i mean in your mind i really do i mean i you know i can't as we all can't it's just like when you start a new job you know yeah. you know you've got all the highest expectations for it and i have all the highest expectations for what i'm about to enter into right now and i think it is going to be i really do i think it's going to be um a life-changing situation for me i really do and in my career and um, I think that within the next, you know, five, six, seven months, I think that things are going to be a lot different than they've been in a very long time. Not that I haven't been around or I haven't been doing some shows or still making music, but I think it's going to be a different thing. I really do. I, I, I feel that in my heart. So I feel really good about it, confident about it. Such a fine day Won't 
song by Ashton Shepard when she was just 15 years old. Southern Summer Nights, never before heard. There you go. Enjoy. And thanks for tuning in. Ashton Shepard, be on the lookout for her this year. And until next time, everybody, always remember to keep the music real. <laughs>